Listen. Just listen. I'm Serendipity Theatre Collective company member Sarah Karastis, and this is the Second Story Podcast. Second Story is Serendipity Theatre Collective's hybrid performance series of stories, wine, and music. A collaboration among writers, actors, musicians, and others to create good stories and good times. These stories are written by the performers themselves, sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, always thought-provoking. And now, company member, Kanisha Foster. We're on a hand-me-down futon with no frame, mattress straight up on the floor of a tiny bedroom in a dirty basement apartment. We're making love. (laughs) Well, we're having sex, but love's involved. We're having breakup sex. Say goodbye to me, I'd said after a night of secrets and fighting. Say goodbye to me. I'd said, pulling him in close and kissing him to erase his surprised look. Wrapped in the forest green comforter that my aunt and uncle had given me for Christmas when I was 12, we have the best sex. Our foreheads and our hips meet. I wrap my pale yellow legs around his dark red ones, pulling him in as close as he can get. His skin sweats into mine. My favorite smell, he tastes salty. I feel an explosive tickling pain like pop rocks in my belly. It's a good hurt though, a satisfying hurt. It's the closest that we've been for three months. We both inhale and as we exhale, he rolls over, I roll over, and I realize that when your heart breaks, It actually breaks. Like, it physically hurts. Anthony and I had been together for just under a year, and he was my first love. He was my first a lot of things, if you know what I mean. (laughs) And let me be clear, when I say first love, I don't mean um, my first kiss with Smelly Donald from the church confirmation sleepover. Um, or my first infatuation with Paul, who I pined over for all of high school, always whispering under my breath as we split to go to our prospective math classes. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not even talking about Jovan, my super long friend, super hot attraction, who was actually the first person I said I love you to, and I'd said it a thousand times since the first time, always half joking that we'd probably end up together. No, I'm talking about the first real time that you love someone. Granted, I was 20, but my heart cracked open when I met him. In an instant, I understood trust and hope and overwhelming desire. He was 23, he was shy. He had this ability to be gentle and rough. I would blushingly gloat to my college friends that he could fuck me and make love to me at the same time and really wasn't that what all women wanted. And it was what I wanted more than anything in the whole world. Until. 
until he stopped looking me in the eyes, until he explained to me that he had been in a serious relationship before and that this was never going to work unless I gave him the space that he needed, until that girl gave him a massage at my party and the guy who was trying to hit on me noticed from across the room and he asked, that's your boyfriend? Until we decided at the end of a four hour conversation and a sleepless night that it was time to say goodbye. And we did. Of course, we had class together that morning. So after we said goodbye, we put our clothes on, um, walked side by side to the train, rode the train together, walked the four blocks to the theater building, rode in an elevator up three flights. Just he and I walked into our classroom, sat on opposite sides of the room, all without exchanging one word or one look. The class we'd been together for about a year in was Shakespeare too, and the one thing that I could be sure of was that at least we weren't gonna work together because the teacher thought that we were too young to understand the rules of professionalism in theater, which in theater, that's like the holy grail. It doesn't matter if you had a shitty day or um, your grandmother died or your heart is broken. When you come to the theater, you leave that shit at the door and you come ready to work. And before now, I'd always hated that she thought we didn't understand that. But today, I was relieved. I still haven't looked at Anthony, but every time he reaches for a pencil or scratches that itch he gets on the back of his leg or smiles, my skin tightens. I can feel it every time he moves. My teacher rushes in 10 minutes late as usual. Um, she notices me right away because I've got on these really big dark sunglasses to hide my red eyes and a hoodie to cover my unbrushed hair. I'm looking like an urban Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> okay, maybe comparing myself to Audrey in this moment is a little bit extreme because I am a hot mess. <laughs> My nose is cracked and my, uh, my face is all swollen, but I am wearing Hepburn-esque sunglasses. And my teacher, she is great. She always has on overalls with a candy bar sticking out of the front for her afternoon chocolate fix. Um, and even though she's my mom's age, she's about eight months pregnant. And most days I will fight to get her attention, but today I shrivel in my seat when she asks, you okay, kiddo? Mm-hmm. I mutter, okay, she graciously replies. Well, let's get to work, she shifts. Scene assignments. Darcy and Hope, as you like it. Rob and Millie, Romeo and Juliet. Kanisha and Anthony, Julius Caesar, the Portia and Brutus scene. And that's all I heard for the rest of class. A scene together and not just any scene but one that is about a man who is keeping secrets from his wife and her falling apart as a result of it. I'm brought back to reality by Anthony standing above me. Apparently class is over and we're the only two people left in the room. I am clutching my scene full force with both hands, looking at him for the first time since our foreheads were pushed together. He is so beautiful. My heart hurts again. I wait for him to speak first. So, uh, 
you want to schedule a time to rehearse? <laughs> okay. Honestly, not what I expected him to say. <laughs> I mean, you know what I expected him to say? I'm sorry. Let's not do this to each other. I need you. But he is being professional, and I respect that, because I'm going to be professional, too. I mean, I can put my craft before a boy, even a boy who makes my stomach flip. I manage a voice much smaller than my usual one. Well, I have time now. I mean, if you want to now. I can't. He says, looking away quickly, so quick that I turn to see if someone else came into the room, but it's still just us. I have to meet somebody, he says. Oh, I stop myself from asking who, and I'm suddenly aware of how shitty I really do look today. I tug at my oversized black hoodie, trying to find some semblance of my waist. Okay, he heads for the door so directly, not looking back as he says, tomorrow, one, I'll get us a room. And he's already out the door by the time I say, yeah, sure. And at one the next day, I'm there, waiting. One ten. That's so unlike him to be late. One twenty. God, I hope he's okay. One thirty. I think he's with that girl. He falls into the room. His eyes are swollen this time, but not from crying. He just looks like he hasn't slept. Sorry, sorry, I was, uh, I had to, um, it doesn't matter, I'm here. You look terrible, did you sleep at all last night? I was up late. You don't look so good yourself. He jokes, but he's right, I have not washed or brushed anything. No, really, he starts again. Are you okay? He asks. I know I... He stammers. He hasn't looked at me yet. Are you? Yeah. Good. I lie. Uh, let's work. So, um, where are we in the scene? Uh, oh yeah. Okay. So you snuck out of bed, and I, uh, <laughs> Portia, um, comes after you and says, "I look down at my script." Brutus, my lord, I bite my tongue after hearing myself call him lord, and you say, Portia, what mean you? Wherefore rise you now? It is not for your health thus to commit your weak condition to the raw, cold morning. He touches my face when he says that. I freeze, afraid if I move, he'll take his hand away. I suddenly notice the silence in the room, and I realize it, it's my line. I, I look down at my paper in my hand. Uh... Not for yours neither, you have ungently, Brutus stole from my bed. And when I say this, his hand moves across my face, down my neck, and into the back of my collar. My spine gets hot, stay professional, I prompt myself, and I continue. And yesternight at supper, you suddenly arose and walked about, musing and sighing with your arms across. He breaks for me, and I, I nearly fall off my chair as he shoots to the far corner of the room, extending an arm to each wall, holding himself up. All I'm getting is his back, and I can't tell if he's Brutus or himself, and I try to keep going. And when I asked you what the matter was, you stared upon me with ungentle look. 
looks, and he does. He gives me this look that's far away and hard, like he knows something that I don't, and it's driving me crazy. What? I say very much lacking the professionalism I have been going for thus far. What? He walks to the huge window that covers the whole south-facing wall, and he speaks to his reflection as if he's speaking to me. Did I tell you I have to leave early today? No, I reply, clearly annoyed. You got here late, and you're leaving early? Yeah, he says. And then he walks across the room and meets my eyes. I'm sorry. I'm not sure if he's talking about the rehearsal or the breakup. It won't happen again. I still don't know which one he's talking about. He grabs his bag quick like he's stealing it and he heads out the door on fast forward. Standing alone in the middle of the room with nothing but papers in my hand, you will not cry. I order myself. It is so stupid to spend all this time crying over a boy. Even if he's the boy. My whole body is trembling as if the temperature in the room just dropped to sub-zero. Work. You'll work. I pace around the room, intentionally stomping through the space he was standing in. Is Brutus sick? I ask my own reflection in the window. Is it accepted? I should know no secrets that appertain to you? I yell at the door, daring him to be on the other side. Dwell I but in the suburbs of your good pleasure? If it be no more, Portia is Brutus harlot, not his wife. And it turns out I'm not the only one losing it. Portia is falling apart too. I mean, one minute she's talking about how sick she feels, and then the next moment she's all, I'm your woman, don't you think I'm hot anymore? Proclaiming, let me get down on my knees and prove to you how hot I am. And then she's all like, I'm a warrior. I'm tougher than any dude. And then she hikes up her skirt, puts his hand on her thigh and says, just to prove to you how tough I am, Brutus, I took a dagger and I slashed my thigh open right in the soft, fleshy part. And I'm all like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> Not Portia. Me. Why haven't I brushed my hair for 48 hours? <laughs> Am I just gonna let myself lose my mind? The next time we meet for rehearsal, I show up late. <laughs> I needed the time to wash up and whatnot. <laughs> and my hair is this big, beautiful mane of black curls falling all the way down my back. My breasts are pushed up so high, I could rest my chin on them. And this is before I discovered push-up bras, so it is pure will that's making them so high. And my jeans are riding around my hips like a roller coaster, and I am so ready to ride. And this time, when I walk into the room, he looks right at me. He even smiles that sheepish grin I used to catch him in before we started dating, when we used to steal looks at each other. He blushes. God, it's sexy when a man blushes. He moves towards me to start a conversation. I put my backpack between us, pull out my script, and start working. This time, he's watching me, tracking my moves as I explore the corners of the room. I get on my knees when the script says to get on my knees. 
I plead when the script says to plead. I seduce when the script says I seduce. I even let myself fall apart when the script says to fall apart. But when we're done, I pick myself up, face him so that our bodies barely touch, and speak first. Thank you. Truly, I'm not sure if I'm talking about the rehearsal or the breakup, but either way, it works for me. Oh, can't anybody see? We've got a world that was Kanisha Foster. If her story gives you ideas for your own second story, we'd love to hear them. Please join us for our ongoing series at Webster's Wine Bar in Red Kiva, or one of our upcoming special events. This October, we're at Straw Dog Theatre on the 23rd and Victory Gardens on the 25th. Second Story Podcast is brought to you by Amanda Delheimer, Megan Steelstra, Shannon Sullivan, Miles Pulaski, Mikhail Fixel, and Nick Kawahara. I am Sarah Karastas. Serendipity is funded in part by the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the Illinois Art Council Estate Agency, the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, City Arts Grants, the Chicago Community Foundation, a part of the Chicago Community Trust, and listeners just like you. To find out more about Second Story, the performances, and our performers, or to make a donation, visit us at storiesandwine.com. To myself, I got nobody in my side, and surely that ain't right. Surely.